No Simple Road is stoked to have Sunset Lake CBD back with us as our sponsor. Sunset Lake is the real deal. If you've looked around trying to find CBD and it just didn't do what it was supposed to do, this is the place you need to go. They've got every kind of product you can imagine, including CBD tinctures with sleep gummies that are great for getting to bed, CBD gummy bears and reishi infused chews that can help bring you a little bit of calm in a stressful day. They've got salve. They've got smokable hemp flower that's great for folks like me that don't want to get stoned and paranoid, but want to have the benefits of cannabis. Well, now you got it. And they even carry CBD products for your pets, man. I'm saying this is Darwin approved stuff. Go over to sunsetlakecbd.com and check out the full range of what they have. This is Vermont grown right to your door and they're giving you 20% off. So put in the promo code NSR20 when you're checking out. You're going to get 20% off your whole order. And I know you're going to love it. They even have subscription options open for you. So you don't forget to get your medicine. Go check out Sunset Lake CBD, everybody. We would like to give a hearty congratulations to our sponsor, Shop Tour Bus. Five years in business. Happy anniversary. You guys, everybody out there, go check out shoptourbus.com. And what you're going to find when you go over there is Grateful Dead inspired merch, but not your boring steal your face 13 point bolt. Dave, you know. I have to say, I really still like that. (laughs) Well, but you've seen it all a thousand times. And And they are very innovative, the way that they um, create these shirts with the themes and the songs and the lyrics. And you should order yourself a t-shirt, a hoodie, because the weather's getting a little bit colder. Stickers for your water bottle. Yeah. Something. Hook yourself up. And you know what? They're hooking up the No Simple Road family with free shipping when you put in the promo code no simple road and that order is going to come to you in a -a one-of-a-kind box with a grateful dead lyric on the inside a bunch of extras and some of you are going to get a miracle grateful dead bootleg with your order so go check out shoptourbus.com online or at shoptourbus on instagram and hook yourself up this episode of no simple road is sponsored by betterhelp.com better help yeah you know what you don't have to think about therapy as like some crazy thing that you have to do because you're messed up you can think about therapy like you know routine maintenance yeah, like like when you go to the dentist that you know for your dental cleaning you don't go all the time but when you go your teeth feel really clean they let you know if you have any problems they take care of it same thing with your mental health or organizing your closet like yeah. all that shit gets all piled up in there every once in a while you clean it out you back on the road and off and you go right. or cleaning up your computer like defragmenting it you don't do it every day but if you don't it's going to get messy confused yeah i don't want to get messy or confused and you know going to therapy doesn't mean that something's wrong with you it means that you're investing in your health and and your mental health and you're keeping your mind healthy so BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't even have to see anybody on camera if you don't want to it's way more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start talking with a therapist in under 48 hours. Mel, you said it took you, what, 24 hours it, to get a hold of somebody? Not, yeah, like I did it at the beginning of the day, and in the evening I had been matched up, so I just read the profile of the person that they matched me up with, and you either accept it or decline it. 
Yeah, that's that's cool. And you know, think about it. We invest in all kinds of other stuff. Why yeah. not invest in your mental health? I, this is important. Yeah, that's an important one. Yeah. I, yeah, and I'm actually glad to be offering this to the people that listen to the show. I'm trying it. I can't wait till I get my first session so I can talk about it. Yeah, me too. So, and check it out, you guys. If you want to try it too, you're going to get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash no simple road. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash no simple road. Go check it out and get your first, your 10% off. Check it out. You want some weed? Yeah. I love some weed. Go to Hillsboro or Forest Grove and go to Define Premium Cannabis. Okay. Define Premium Cannabis? Yeah. You should go there and check it out because you know what? They're part of the No Simple Road family and they're going to give you 10% off and your first time in, they're going to give you a free t-shirt when you tell them that you listen to the show. What? So all I have to do is go into Define at Forest Grove. (laughs) Don't ask for (laughs) (laughs) pre-rolls (laughs) because you're not going to get a discount on pre-rolls. And I'm going to say, hey, I listen to No Simple Road and they're going to be like, you know what? You're getting 10% off and... Here's a t-shirt. Yeah, this is your first time in. Here's a free t-shirt. And if you come to the Hillsboro location, I'm there Monday through Friday and everything. And I love when people come in, say they're listeners, no simple road. I will come out and I will start crying, first of all, because I'm so flattered to your listener. And he comes out of the back dressed exactly like a rainbow. And at the end of the rainbow is the perfect cannabis product for you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, there is. Like, like, like leprechaun, a pot of gold. It's a pot of weed. That's right. A pot of pot, if you will. Oh, <laughs> hey, check that so out. So come on out and visit us at one of those locations, Hillsboro or Forest Grove. Make sure to mention that you are a listener. You will get that 10% off. That is every time you come in. First time, you'll get a free T-shirt, which you can wear back for another 5% stacked on that 10% what? for a total of 15% off all your purchases. It's a double coupon. What does it what mean? What does it mean, man? It anyway. means you're going to save and you're going to take care of your head. Have you ever listened to Highway Butterfly? Out of a Butterfly. That you got over at Electric Fish Lights? Or you absolutely can. Shit. You yeah. should go, you should go do that. Should. Do it. You, yeah, and you will too when you go to electricfishlights.com and check out the amazing handcrafted IQ lights that they are cooking up over there. You're like, Aaron, what's IQ mean? Well, let me tell you. It is a system of 30 interlocking pieces that can be configured into 15 different shapes. And basically, when they put those together, they can build you any custom light you ask them for. They've got sports teams. They've got cartoon characters. They've got whatever your idea is. They hook it up. And you can get a color-changing bulb upgrade and a Bluetooth speaker bulb upgrade. So that light doesn't just hang on the wall or stick on the wall or hang from the ceiling. It actually comes to life. And if you're like us and you've collected posters from the shows that you've gone to, when you put that light in the room with the posters, something magical happens. They become BFFs. They they do. And they actually come come alive. alive. Yeah. And, you know, if you have a white room and you were thinking about painting it, another thing you could do is get that color changing bulb upgrade and hang that light in there. And then change it to the different colors and see what those different colors would look like on the walls painted. Just saying. Have a little fun with it. Yeah. So one right now, too, if you go on over there, they got the cutest pig with wings, kind of a Pink Floyd animals tribute. Go over to their Instagram and check it out, too, because they are doing a free giveaway. Ooh. You need to go check it out. I'm not going to tell you anything more. Okay. You have yeah. to go look at this. That's at Electric Fish Lights on Instagram or go to electricfishlights.com and make sure you put in the promo code NSR. When you check out, you're going to get 25% off and you're going to get Delaware Magic in that box. And 
you know what? I don't even know what Delaware magic means. They told me to say that and it could be a t-shirt or a sticker or a plate with a fish on it. I don't know what it's going to be. It's only one way to find out. Yeah, go order it. Get 25% off, hook yourself up with a light and get enlightened. Hey everyone, Chris Pandolfi from the infamous String Dusters here to let you know that my podcast Inside the Musician's Brain is back on the airwaves for season four, which means it's time once again to get deep with influential musicians from all across the musical landscape to really understand and translate the lessons of success, failure, inspiration, and hard work that are behind the music and the artists that we love. My guests this season include Rachel Price from Lake Street Dives, Sam Bush, Chris Wood, Chris Funk from The Decemberists, Lindsay Liu, MC Taylor from His Golden Messenger, and more. Check us out, and thanks for listening. We're so excited to tell you a bit about today's sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They are a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Music Masters Collective events give you the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like Otil Burbridge, Steve Earle, Richard Thompson, former members of the band, the Mel Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, the Fab Foe, and Sean Colvin, and so many more. At an event like the Milk Carton Kids Sad Song Summer Camp, happening this July, you can expect immersive classes, evenings of entertainment, excellent food, and a space for a lucky group of folks to learn, co-write, workshop, and perform with like-minded peers, all with the guidance of Kenneth Pattengale, Joey Ryan, and some of their favorite songwriters. This all-inclusive week in the Catskill Mountains of upstate New York is guaranteed to be magical. Scholarships are available and spots are extremely limited. So visit www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple to learn more. That's www.sadsongsummercamp.com forward slash simple. Check it out. another scintillating episode of no simple road this is aaron this is mel and this is scintillating apple you know it's funny (laughs) when um when i was a kid my mom was a trapeze artist at circus circus they flew on the trapeze there from like 64 until 88 or 89 that's a long run yeah and when they would like uh announce the people in the act they would be like the handsome jimmy the catcher and yes. then my the captivating candace and it was always scintillating maureen and that's always stuck in my head scintillating <laughs> my mom was captivating though so just saying wow yeah, captivating see, candace. Captivating. she's pretty cool man but you know what else is cool what else gary waldman our guest oh, this week gary waldman is totally cool so for those of you that don't know um the tribute to Neil Casal came out yesterday, November Ooh. the 12th. Right on. It's called Highway Butterfly. And 
It is a tribute to the life and music of the gifted singer, songwriter, musician, and friend to many, featuring 41 of Neil Casal's songs performed by a galaxy of rock and roots music luminaries. And this there is really like, is this a galaxy. Is, yeah, this is like everybody, anybody in all scenes. And this it's, is it's also a, a who's who of, you know, alumni of No Simple Road. We've talked to a lot, a lot of, these of these people, man. Like, these are just a few. Aaron Lee Tashjian, Beachwood Sparks, Gospel Beach, Marcus King, Eric Grasno, Billy Strings, Circles Around the Sun, His Golden Messenger, Mapache, Phil and the Terrapin Family Band, um, let's see, Susan Tedeschi and Derek Trucks, Jimmy Herring, Shooter Jennings, Kenny Roby, Bob Weir, Jay Lane and Dave Schools, Jay Maskus, Warren Haynes. I mean, there's a list of names on here that's pretty fucking incredible. And to have 41 of your own original tunes played by that group of people speaks to the life of Neil and the mark that he left on just not just the people, but music. Yeah. Yeah, It's a pretty incredible catalog, number one, and it, pretty unique undertaking that is such a beautiful way of bringing all those talented people together. Yeah. It, we started hearing like singles from it during the pandemic. And I remember the, um, Billy strings and circles around the sun, all the luck in the world came out. And Mm -hmm. I had that on heavy rotation on our morning playlist. That song is awesome. So if you want to, check this out it's available in digital formats and five lp and three cd box sets from the neil casal music foundation and the royal potato family so if you just search out highway butterfly you can go get those and hook yourself up or you can well, and then the, yeah the box set is amazing you can also pair that with the awesome they, they had a hoodie that came out with it there is an awesome coffee table book of neil casal's photography i mean this was put together with with like such love and intention care. yeah and it, yeah <clears throat> so many people that wanted to be involved in this it's just amazing it just it, it's a trip to me like i first became aware of neil because of crb yeah and fell in love with his playing and just his energy through them and i i didn't i don't know man when you look up to somebody like that and then you then you meet them a lot of times your your idea of who they are is dashed yeah you meet the person like it doesn't match but this when we finally sat down and talked to neil it definitely matched and i understand why all these musicians did what they did because just in a brief hour and a half meeting with him he left a mark on my life and um that's real and tangible and i can only imagine for the people that were friends with him what that connection was like if for me in an hour and a half it made that kind of mark you know what i'm saying absolutely so yeah all you that are fans of neil's music or crb or circles around the sun or all the other amazing projects that neil was a part of go check out highway butterfly and this interview with gary waldman is uh perfect explanation of how this all came about what went into it how they chose the songs um all of it i and his relationship with neil yeah it's a it's great sweet story 
And um, I know you guys are going to dig it, and we're going to get you to it here in just a second. But that's it. I was just looking at the store too. They, over at the Neil Casal Foundation, to they 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 added Christmas ornament. Really, you can get. You can also uh, make a donation, like when you buy something that goes towards the Neil, the Neil Casal, Casal Foundation, Foundation, which is amazing. Yeah, if you haven't gone over there, go check out the website. Like like Apple said, there's all kinds of. Um, merch over there and it goes to a really good cause so right on yeah so should we do the business and yeah absolutely let's get and let them get to the interview all right follow no simple road on all the social media platforms at no simple road and at no simple road.com yeah you can go there and sign up for the newsletter you can check no- out that merch yeah dope you, merch uh, hoodies yeah. What else? Yeah, hoodies, t-shirts, coffee cups. Yeah, fanny coffee packs. cups, mm-hmm. a fanny pack. they have those cool camping ones, too, that I really love. The metal coffee yeah. cups. Yeah, those are dope. And you know what? You can also go to patreon.com forward slash no simple road. Now, listen, everything in the world that we live in today that we like to do costs money. You want to go to a concert? Costs money. money most of the time. You want to go see a movie? Costs money podcasts are no different it costs money to put out a podcast and we need your help man go to patreon.com forward slash no simple road and you too can become a chan donator and pledge as little as a buck a month and hook up the no simple road crew so that we can keep doing this and bringing you good guests like gary waldman and highway butterfly and that that buck a month means a lot too i've done it it's like what's a dollar gonna do like a lot myself i've thought that like what does a dollar matter? Well, if everybody gave a dollar, it would matter a lot. I'll tell you what, yeah. if if just the people that heard this episode gave a dollar a month, we would be able to do this full time starting wow. right now. And we'd be able to speak so many names. Oh my yeah. God, we'd <laughs> the be train, that. we'd have to start adding on cars to the train to hold everybody. Yeah. yeah. And oh, I forgot to tell you guys, when uh, you go to nosimpleroad.com, when you scroll down just a little bit, there's a calendar of events there. If you want to come hang out with the No Simple Road crew at a show and boogie down with us, well, that's where we're going to be. You can go check that out. Also, you can call 971-808-1524. That is the No Simple. 971-808-1524. Tepid line. And I want to say um, it is Aaron's birthday month, and I would love for everybody listening to that knows the conductor, that knows Aaron as the host, wish him a happy birthday. Wish him a happy birthday on the tepid line. That would be so, that so That would be pretty awesome. dope. Say, oh you know, God. maybe shout out your favorite episode. Maybe something cool that he said. Just a simple, a plain happy birthday, Aaron. Um, and it's a, his 50th. So I am inviting and asking as the mama bear of NSR to bless Aaron um, with happy birthdays and birthday wishes and messages. Yeah. So if you want to do that, call 971-808-1524. That number again is 971-808-1524. Also, we are asking you to do us a solid and go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review and then type in a little message. Say, hey, you know what? No Simple Road rides with me to work every day and they're awesome. Or whatever your trip is with No Simple Road. That is how other people can find out about the show. But the most important thing you can do Tell a friend. Yeah. Tell somebody. Tell a family member. Tell somebody. That's a big deal. Then when they'll you tell, tell somebody. I told a friend at work and he came back and gave me the sweetest feedback. And I appreciated that. He gave it to me in, in real time. So tell somebody because yeah. they'll really appreciate the episode or the, you know, recommendation. And then the mycelial network of No Simple Road slowly grows and cell by cell we take over the planet. No. 
we can all have fun together. Wow. The more people <laughs> find out about the show. I man. was getting pumped, yeah. dude. I was about to kick the table. Like, don't, I don't know don't what do happened that, like, there. Or fall over. All okay. right. We're going to get you to the to the conversation with Gary Waldman. Yes, we are. So you can learn all about Highway Butterfly and hear about what a beautiful soul Neil Casal is and was. And remember to stick around after the conversation for your outro hangout with the three of us. Yeah. So we love you guys. And we're going to get you to the interview. Without further ado, the No Simple Road crew gives you Gary Waldman. Yeah, man. Yeah. Welcome, welcome. I'm Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Good to meet you. Um, um, my name's Mel. Gary, thanks for joining us. You're welcome. And thanks for having me on. Yeah. And then I, I'm Apple, and thank you for joining us today, man. I was just sitting here geeking out a little bit on the Let's Hear It that you have on YouTube. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't put up a new episode in a while. I've been on a little break because I've been moving, but I have three new episodes that I'm getting ready to launch, and uh, it's been really fun chatting to people about their instruments. Yeah, yeah, it, well, it's a, it's amazing. We were just uh, just a little bit ago. We just got done uh, your second interview today. We were interviewing John Lee Shannon, talking huh. talk, huh. talking to him, and I saw he's been on several time on several times on Let's Hear It, and along with <laughs> other members of Circles. Yes. Yeah. See, they're easy for me to get. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's strange. I, I, we were telling him like that it just worked out that we're interviewing the two of you on the same day. Like that's Neil's hand just reaching out and moving stuff around. <laughs> yeah, Neil's been doing a lot of that. <laughs> we did talk about that a lot with uh john too and just how much he's had his hand through his career and it's incredible yeah i uh you know that's the kind of mystical stuff that do you really believe it or not um i kind of do because things happen and it seems like neil's doing mm-hmm. so I like to believe that. Yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, it make definitely makes life a little more colorful and interesting. That's for sure. Definitely. So, Gary, then, hold on. We got a bag. We got to do. Gonna, it. Oh, okay. This for everybody crazy. that's out there, why don't you introduce yourself to them and let them know who you are and what's going on? Sure. Uh, my name is Gary Waldman, and I was Neil Casal's manager from 1987 until he passed away in uh, 2019. And I say manager, but really we were friends. We were great and best friends uh, for all that time. And I did help him quite a bit with his career, of course, because when I met him, uh, I was working at a record store. And eventually, a few months later, I started working at a record label. So I was learning about the music industry at the same time that Neil was trying to start his career. So I just... I had heard him play and, you know, we, I played guitar as well and I had a huge record collection. So we just became pals and bonded over music, over records that we loved and going to shows and instruments and just became great friends. And it was all centered around music for, for all those years, for 32 years. Wow. So pretty, uh, pretty amazing to have that type of friendship with somebody i mean that's that it was great yeah that's even uh not common just regularly in the world you know friendships that last that long yeah well we both i think uh we were both believed in friendships and both of us mm-hmm. have 
had lifelong friendships with a lot of people. Neil kept friends um, from his high school days, um, and so did I. And we loved that connection. There's a connection that you have with somebody over a long period of time that's just special. There's insider jokes and impressions and shared experiences and places you've been or shows you've gone to. So we could reference um, so many experiences together. So when Neil started going on tour and and then eventually when he joined Ryan Adams or Chris Robinson, we could go to a venue, like say, you know, if I was meeting him somewhere on the road, we would see something, we would both make the same joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was referenced back to a, a Def Leppard show that we saw. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, that, that kind of experience that you have with your, your pals that you used to go to a lot of shows with. Yeah, Apple and I'm, Guys, I, I'm almost 50. I'm 52. He was 12 and I was 14 when we met and here we are. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. And you you can't replace that. So mm-hmm. it's 40 years of a shared shared friendship and when it's based around music, it's so rich. Mm-hmm. Because of those moments. Remember when Jerry did that one thing when we were at Nassau Coliseum? <laughs> yeah. And and those are those are great, and I certainly miss that tremendously with the loss of Neil. Uh, what you've done, though, Gary, is is um, I don't even know how to properly package this in words, but it's a really brilliant, wonderfully beautiful, extremely touchingly thought out tribute to your buddy. Well, I appreciate it, and. Uh, the only reason I was able to do it really is because of uh, how much I truly loved Neil and loved his music. And mm-hmm. he became well known through his role with Ryan Adams and the Cardinals and subsequently with Chris Robinson Brotherhood, Phil Lesh and Friends and all the various projects he did over the last 12, 15 years. But previous to that, he'd had a whole career that we had worked on together of his solo albums. And we had this dream of him being a legendary solo artist in the in the vein of Neil Young or Jackson Brown or other people we grew up loving. And when he was making those solo records, we always thought, oh, you can do some acoustic shows and then you can do shows with the band. And our roadmap was those great 70s singer songwriters. And for whatever reason, Neil just not didn't really get well known through those records. He had a bit of a cult following, uh, but he became much more well known as a guitar player with Ryan and, and with Chris and all the other people he played with. But he left behind so many beautiful solo songs. So when he died, I just thought these songs need to get their due. Mm. They need heard because I always believed in them so much and I would so many times like I'd get a text from Neil or I would text him man I'm driving down the road and I'm listening to whatever the song was of his from back in the 90s and it sounds so good and he'd be like I know I listened to that I can't believe it and other times he'd be like I'd say like oh man I was listening to this and it still sounds so good and he was like ah really I don't know (laughs) oh um, but um, 
it's just, you know, I've been able to do this because of my belief in his music and the shared dream that we had. And so, and, and the help of incredible people, uh, along the way, the people who have recorded for the tribute album we made, the people who came and played his music at the tribute show in 2019 after he died. And then the people who are working with me on these projects, Dave Schools and Jim Scott on their music side of things, and Michelle August and Kevin Calabro on the publicity and the development of the foundation and the marketing of, of the projects. So it's it's been beautiful, a beautiful thing. And, um, you know, Michelle and Kevin both knew Neil really well. So Michelle is the marketing director for the foundation and the okay. co-executive producer of the album. And we, we all knew Neil for so long that I think we have fairly good instincts as to what he would think would be cool. Yeah. Um, I think he would feel pretty good about all of this. There's probably yeah. some stuff he would be like, oh, we should, and then, but we don't have to get his opinion anymore. Yeah. <laughs> so we just move forward with what we think is the right thing. And it's, it's been just uh, amazing. And, and to have Dave as our kind of overseeing Buddha, if you will, um, and Jim Scott, who literally worked on recording Neil's music for 28 years and knew wow. Neil's uh, style in the studio so well. It's just, we've have an amazing team to be able to do all of this. Uh, so it's, it's just been, a, it's been amazing. You, yeah. you brought up something and it fits for us too. Like I became really aware of Neil at the beginning of the CRB run. And, um, quickly became a huge fan and uh, didn't really dig into his solo stuff until late, you know, like maybe a year before he passed and he was really prolific in, in his writing. And it was extremely now listening to it. Now it's extremely personal and, and very deeply rooted stuff that was coming like straight from his soul out and like you said it never really took off it had a cult following and I I wonder what your opinion is being his friend and then also loving the music like what do you think the reason for that is that it never caught because it's as good or better than a ton of the stuff that's out there there's no reason it shouldn't have caught on do you, you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I don't know. I think that when he first when we first recorded some of his early demos in 1991, I sent that tape to a publisher um, at Warner Chapel Music named Jim Cardillo. And his reaction was immediate. Three songs in, he called me up and he was like, I love this guy. Is there more to hear? Can I come see him? And Neil got a songwriting publishing deal with Warner Chapel like that. And Jim was a huge supporter. And Jim had worked with, you know, at the time he was working with bands like the Jayhawks and Green Day. And mm. he was connected and he was like, oh, we're going to shop this to all these labels. We're going to get you such a great record deal. And for whatever reason, it took about two and a half years. I don't know why we would get these reactions. People would hear it and be like, yeah. 
it's pretty good. Uh, you know, we're looking for more of this or whatever. I mean, I don't know if you've ever been involved with trying to shop a record deal and talking to A&R guys. It's a, uh, it's, it's a horrible process. It's, <laughs> it's things that I hate in the music industry because there's certainly some great A&R people, smart people who know a lot about music. And then there's a bunch of others who go into their weekly meeting at their record label and the record uh, label president is like, we got to get a, our own. Why don't we have a Nirvana? Why don't we have a Dave Matthews? Why don't we? So they're always, uh, you know, I don't want to say that it's they're just looking for the next thing that fits into what's happening right now. But a lot of them don't have that vision. And at the time, I felt like there was a nice world for Neil to fit into the um Uncle Tupelo, Wilco, mm. Sunbolt, the Jayhawks. Um, there was a burgeoning whiskey town kind of alt country scene. And for whatever reason, uh, people just didn't react to the music the same way that I did or that my friend at Warner Chapel did. We just, we had such a hard time getting people's attention. And Neil would always, like years later, would always be like, oh, man, it was my fault. I wasn't good enough. And I was like, no, that's not. <laughs> like Because we would go do a showcase and Neil, you know, what made Neil such a great sideman maybe was the weakness that he had at being a front man. He was sometimes a little bit nervous. And, you know, he would, you know, when it's all on you and you're the, Neil was not a, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't know how you describe it. Some solo artists have to have a lot of confidence mm -hmm. and a lot of artists are a mix of massive confidence with insecurity, which is what makes them deep. And mm -hmm. yeah, right. Neil, Neil had the insecurity and he had confidence, but he, maybe he didn't have that super confidence and that, couple year period where we were trying to get a record deal and we thought okay this is going to happen and it didn't happen it didn't happen i think that beat him down a little bit yeah then we find record deal made the dream record he wanted to make and then the record label folded basically a month after oh. it came out the classic music industry tale which oh. happened to a lot of people and in those days when you lost your record deal you were damaged goods can't be signed again all right he's 25 years old oh why you know so yeah. it was, it was uh i don't know why it didn't connect i feel like the record this first record came out he started going on the road he was opening for government mule he'd open for little feet we're starting to happen a little bit and then all of a sudden the rug was pulled out label, mm. label was folded we can't support him anymore and then I went around to all the other labels again. Uh, here's what happened. Yeah, no, we're not really interested or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we had to go the indie route. We had to just figure out ways to make records ourselves. And that was in the pre-social media days. So it was, you didn't have a ready-made way to market yourself. We, we luckily found a couple record deals in Europe. His first record had come out and somehow had this little um, bubble of popularity in Germany and France and England. And so we got a, uh, a little deal with a German label called Glitter House and they helped Neil for a few years there. And it really started to happen overseas. He was getting incredible press. 
selling out shows all over Europe, you know, club shows, but it was building and doing really well. Mm -hmm. And he really slugged it out. He toured with a band or he toured with just a guitar and going in a van or a train or flying here and flying there. He really worked hard in those days. And there are still fans of his from over there that are mm -hmm. completely psyched about this tribute album mm -hmm. coming out. And then after doing that, after doing quite a few solo albums and getting, you know, one step up, two step back, you know, continuing, he ran into Ryan Adams on the street and we had known Ryan Adams for a while and he ran into him on Avenue B in Manhattan and Ryan was like, I've been looking for you. I want you to join Cardinals. Oh. And we just went out and had some beers and Neil was in the band. Wow. Oh, wow. I, I did not know like that. that. Yeah. That's incredible that Ryan was just like, yeah, you belong to us. That's, <laughs> and, I was and looking then, for you. <laughs> right on. I mean, those were his words. I've been looking for you. Um, I, you got to be in my band. And wow. it was that, it wasn't like, you know, come and jam and we'll see if it works out. It was just like, you're in. Wow. Well, um, going back to, to his solo stuff, man, like Sweet in the Distance and Fade Away Diamond Time, those, those are, as far as I'm concerned, those are iconic in, in the pantheon of my listening life. And I, I know what you're saying about his personality. We, we only met once. Um, and for, we've talked to a lot of musicians and I, and I see what you're talking about, uh, about the confidence thing. And he was shy and, and it was like a guy that's that talented. That's, made us feel so many different ways. And then we met, I was, it actually like made me feel good because I'm a little bit nervous and shy too. So I was like, Oh, it's okay to be like this. Like that's a thing that's normal. And, uh, it was very profound. And I, in talking to other musicians that have worked with him, um, his hand was in a lot of things. He, he really did um, mold and, and touch a lot of lives and give several musicians that we've spoken to direction. And um, is that something that is uh, celebrated at all in this tribute is the other artists that he helped develop or inspire? Are they in yeah. this in any way or? Absolutely. Um, the album starts off with a song by Aaron Lee Tazjan. And we subsequently discovered that Aaron had been a fan of Neil's records and had seen Neil play nine years ago, 10 years ago at a little uh, jam in New York City. And Mapache, mm -hmm. Neil and Horn produced their first record and introduced Neil to them. And I think he had a little bit of an influence on them because he was so encouraging to them when he heard them sing together. Mm. He was like, oh man, you guys are like, he like, he was turning them on to records. He loved to share records that he loved. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. He spent his life digging out records that were obscure, keeping his vinyl collection going. And he loved 
sharing music that he discovered with other musicians. John Lee Shannon, as you mentioned earlier, I think Neil had when Neil met him is when Neil produced Zephaniah O'Hora's record, which was in early 2019. And Neil and John spent a lot of time together because John was a guitar player on that record. So Neil was turning him on to all kinds of records. Oh, you got to hear this. You got to hear this. So once Neil got the sense that a younger musician was open to ideas and suggestions and like was also a fan of music, Neil would just barrage. Here you go. <laughs> and then you get a text with a MP3 or a link or dig out this record, find this record. And so I think you hear the thread of that throughout the tribute album, because there's so many people that he played with, um, worked with uh, in their bands or on their records. So certainly that, that thing is in there. And, you know, when he did join Ryan Adams, he was, Neil was such an outstanding sideman, right? He was, because he had been, a singer songwriter he knew what brian was going through he knew what chris mm. was going through when he's played with people he was happy to be supportive i'll sing a great harmony here i'll play a perfect guitar part here i'll never step on you mm. um, oh, wow. to that he he knew how to be in a band because he grew up listening to the stones and what he loved was that interweaving of guitars he loved that when you heard uh, Keith and Mick Taylor, the Mick Taylor era was his favorite. So when he heard Keith and Mick Taylor, they were meshed together and he loved that. He was never like, I got to be solo guy. He loved the intertwining of parts. And he was a great sideman because he would listen to what Ryan was playing and play supportively and then sing a beautiful harmony. And same with Chris. Mm -hmm. uh, so that, and that solo experience that he had from 91 till he joined Ryan in 2005, it's 14 years of training, basically, yeah. of your own thing and then understanding how to fit into a band, like being the guy that he always wanted to have standing off to his right, supporting him. Oh, wow. Right on. That is, that's beautiful, actually. It's like, like the ultimate brother that you would ever want mm -hmm. one. Oh, you like this? Here's some records for this. And sure. I'll, I'll sing harmony with you. Sure. I'll, that's incredible. Like what? We that's were, a sweet soul. Yeah. We were talking, uh, like we said to John and I was like, it ever occurred to you that, you know, he could be like your angel. Cause he's like, I don't want to say prepared on purpose, but looking back in hindsight, all these little, th uh, interactions and synchronicities that have um, occurred between him and John. And now he's in this amazing position and it doesn't seem foreign. It feels like it's right on with John there. And it feels as if through hearing the stories and all that, that it was set up that way. And it seems like he, Neil was an, an angel and had his hand in a lot of um, helping, like you said, being, being that supporter. Support. Yeah it just comes back to how much he loved music and loved bands and loved records and got excited about songs. I mean, so many times I can remember that, you know, we were both the same way. Like when I first met him, because I had a huge record collection, he would come over to my house and I was like, Oh, you got to record this back in the days when you recorded vinyl on. <laughs> <laughs> 
this, I gotta check this. And then, and he loved doing the same. Like he would find a record and be like, oh man, you gotta hear this one. He just loved music and it was his whole life. It was, it was the thing that was most important to him. And he loved that. He loved that thing of touching somebody with a song that he sent them or playing guitar part on their record. He just was truly, you know, you described him as an angel. Maybe he was a musical angel. I don't know. It feels, I mean, it kind of, it's like silly, but not at the same time. It really feels that he's poured so much of himself into that, into music as a tool for communication. Yeah. Yeah. And he, um, he was super reliable. If he told you he was going to come play on your record, he showed up and he showed up on time and he was prepared and he had three different amplifiers in the back of his truck and a bunch of guitars and he listened to whatever you sent him and he knew and he was a careful listener. He really listened deeply. If, uh, if he went to play a session and somebody had a song and I think Jim Scott said this on our podcast, he was like, didn't matter if it was a big name person or somebody you'd never heard of. Neil approached it the same way, which was, let me really listen to this song. Let me discuss what you're looking for and let me figure it out. And he would never be like, well, that's all I got. You know, I got, I'm not playing it again. Like, that was never his thing. He was just a real, real um, sweet person when it came to recording and playing music. And he had this thing where he knew that songs could live forever. Right. Mm -hmm. So recording, you know, you might be gone, but your recording is going to live forever and wanted it to be great. He Mm -hmm. really did. He never tossed anything off, whether it was, and I've talked to so many people who are like, you've never heard of me and I'm not, you know, a major artist, but I met Neil and I asked him to play on some recordings I did and he came out and did this and it's just so amazing. And he was just like that. That's what he, that's, that was his ethic. Wow. Even the, the one brief meeting we had with him, he, him and I were talking about writing and uh, I was like, yeah, I write music and stuff. I write lyrics, but I, I don't really show them to anybody, man. And, he was like, look, dude, that music that you're writing, that those lyrics could save somebody's life someday. You need to show that to people. And it started a whole thing with me of like giving my music to a musician friend that I know and us putting music together. And it really did alter my course. So I directly have experience with the kind of thing that you're talking about. That motivation. That gift that he had. Yeah, and that's not common in in the in the world, and also not common in in music is for somebody to be um, personified support <laughs> for other musicians, but yeah. still being able to stand on their own merit and talent. And um, again, I th- what you've put together. I mean, I, I haven't heard all of it. I've heard a few things off of it. It's so well done. Um, and the, the song selection from what I've seen is 
perfect. And there's so much to choose from. Like, how the hell did you come up with what was going to end up on this thing out, out of all that? Yeah, well, uh, Jim Scott, as I mentioned, Jim Scott and Dave Schools were the co-producers. And I guess I would be the, you know, the third because of a lot of the ideas. Right. I started them and the thing that's amazing we were talking about doing a podcast where we do a minute on each song because each song has its story you start with Aaron Lee Tashan Dave Schools knew him, knew he loved Neil um, gotta be on this album, yep I want to do Traveling After Dark, boom, done Jamie Wyatt, track two was just, we knew that Neil had played on her album a couple months before he died She's close with Shooter. I know Shooter. John Grayboff knows Shooter. Shooter, you want to do a song? Yeah, I want to do maybe California. Boom. Beachwood Sparks, of course, that was easy. Fruit mm-hmm. Bats, Neil played on their, on their record. So Eric was, of course, in. Billy Strings had become, become a fan of Neil. I remember a couple of years before he died, Neil texted me and he's like, do you know this guy, Billy Strings? And I was like, yeah, I know who he is. I, I've, I've seen he's starting. He's a really amazing guitar player. And he was like, somehow he's a fan of my guitar playing. <laughs> <laughs> because you're a great guitar player, Neil. Neil was always, uh, you know, just so modest. And so they met up and they just hit it off. And so Neil had a nice little friendship with him. And then Dory Freeman is the song after Billy Strings on the album. And I work with her and Neil had played on one of her albums and just loved her voice. And so it, there were just all these connections. A song after her is His Golden Messenger. Mm-hmm. And a couple months before Neil died, when he knew CRB was over, he was like, hey, this guy from His Golden Messenger wants me to play guitar on tour with him. You think I should do it? And I was like, yeah, that guy's great. Never happened. But there were those type of connections. So each, each song has a story oh. behind it. It may have come from me matching an artist to a song or Dave or Jim or just saying to the artist, you were friends with Neil, is there a song you'd love to do? And so it just miraculously fell together. And you mentioned earlier, maybe Neil was pulling the strings because it wasn't hard to do this. And the original idea was to do it all in the same place where you see a lot of artists, um, compilation albums, tribute albums that might be like, this artist doing the song in California, another artist recording his song in Chicago, another somebody else recording her song in Canada and they all get sent in and somebody puts it together. And that can be great too. Of course we've, we've seen it, but my idea was after we did the tribute concert to Neil, it was such a beautiful couple of days where all his friends were around and this camaraderie and yes, we were sad, but, It was also beautiful for various people in Neil's life to meet each other. And everybody was like, ah, Neil always talked about you or this. So there was a camaraderie. And so when we started imagining the tribute album, Jim Scott is a legendary record producer and engineer and worked on Tom Petty down through Chili Peppers, Johnny Cash. Like you could look at his who's who of music and so he'd worked with neil for years and so jim has an incredible studio in california so the idea was let's have various backing bands circles around the sun jeff hill and tony leone from crb 
Bob Glaub and Don Heffington, who played on Neil's great L.A. session musicians, who played on Neil's early recordings. Let's have three backing bands and then bring people like Billy Strings in, bring Jamie Wire or Shooter Jennings or, you know, O'Teal or whatever. Bring them in. We're all in this place that Neil loved working at. Mm-hmm. We've got a little altar to Neil. Also, we have Neil's archives in this studio, all of his old master tapes, photography, all of his stuff is there. There's a real connection to Neil there. And the idea was bring everybody here. It's a magical place. We'll have that sense of community. And we were able to do that for 16 of the songs before COVID changed everybody's plans. We were flying. Um, One day, Leslie Mendelssohn comes in. You know, she plays Feel No Pain. The backing band that's there learn the song by dinner time pretty much done and then have dinner after dinner couple overdubs done (laughs) next day who's coming in billy strings or however it went so that was a magical 16 days where we were living that experience of the community and neil's friends all being in a place that he loved and it was just so special then covid came along And we waited for a few months, hoping that it would die down. But eventually we realized if we're going to finish this album, people are going to have to do it where they can do it and then end it to Jim and Dave and Dave will mix. Those guys will mix it, get it to the finish line. So we had to do that. A bunch of songs were recorded remotely in various places. And then eventually we got a few more people into Jim's studio, but Jim and Dave have their hand on, on all the songs. Um, just get whether it's mixing it or producing it from beginning to end. So it was a bummer that we didn't get to do all of it the way we initially planned, but somehow it magically glued itself together. It's fantastic. That's crazy. I, I wonder, you know, you mentioned in the studio having an altar and, you know, his masters are there, his friends are there, his music's being played. Um, I guess my mind, when I hear that, I want to know, like, what was the mood as those songs were being recorded? Was it a somber, sad affair or was it not? Like, what would that feel like? I would not describe it as somber at at all. I would describe it as um, fun and celebration. there are moments where you hear a lyrical line where you're just like, <laughs> no doubt. Sure. I mean, and there are emotions, but it was more fun because we were, he was somehow there with us living through the songs coming to life in, in a new way. And it was more fun and special and healing in a lot of ways to be with people, a lot of people that were important in Neil's life that I didn't know very well that now I know much better. And everybody has their story of their friendship with Neil. And so we're sharing those and we're being together and we're looking at silly pictures of him or talking about his guitar. And this is when he got it. And everybody had a different story. So it was more fun and like deep, to celebrate him than it was summer. Um, there were uh, emotional moments, but I would never classify it as somber. We were more like, uh, I think Dave Schools described it as like, you know, uh, what does that chord change? Damn you, Neil. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
know, like we were having fun a lot of the time, uh, you know, so I described the tribute concert we did to him as the saddest fun event of all time. It was, and, yeah. Yeah. So we tried to just make the best of it and celebrate his music and our memories of him and tell funny stories about him or share things. And, um, and so somehow he lived on through that. And, and it was just a beautiful experience. It really has been every day. And a lot of the songs that are on the record, you know, I heard when they were half done, when he was writing them. Oh, um, yeah. oh dude, you know, from 1991, you think this is any good? And so I'll have that memory in my mind. And then all of a sudden I hear somebody singing it. And it's, I mean, that's powerful yeah. and emotional. Um, but somber, no, more, more fun because Neil was, uh, Neil was a hilarious person. He was a modest person, but he was very, very funny, a whole really great sense of humor. He had an incredible, incredible ability to impersonate people. So he really liked doing like, you know, English star accent, dagger <laughs> accent. So he would shift into that a lot of the time. So it's. Yeah, mainly really fun memories. Wow. You know, that's a undertaking, like, that's a life's work, what you've done. You took his life work and somehow managed to get all these people together that loved him and admired him and worked with him. And it takes time, like you said, you you know, you did this, you know, 16 days and then had to change because of COVID still doing that gathering all the works and his photos and all like it would be easy to just kind of not do any of it what was your motivator to get all of this done and to do this yeah uh just as a tribute to my friend who i loved um and whose music i really believed in from the day that i met him i just thought he was great and i'm a music fan you know yeah as I'm sure it did with, with you guys, like it changed my life and saved my life. When I was five years old, I heard, Hey Jude. And I was like, yeah, I somehow the power of music connected with me. And it was the only thing I ever wanted to do. I've never had a a quote real job. (laughs) (laughs) I I went to college record store and then I worked at a record label and then I started a management company and my whole life has been based around music and Neil was the biggest part of um, my musical career because we worked together for so many years on so many things. And I always just believed in him. And even when he was getting rejected by this label or that label or whatever, I was just like, we just got to keep going. We have to keep going. Like, you can never get a day job. And he never did, oh. thankfully. Oh. Every day job. Wow. He, managed to go from making his own records to okay i'm gonna play guitar on this record and make enough money to survive i'm gonna tour with this person for a week uh make enough money to survive okay we got a little record deal here i can make another record i'll go on tour it was not easy um we you know when you're a struggling musician it's it's hard and it's hard to keep your confidence up and your belief up and you're facing a lot of rejection and 
And that's painful for somebody who's poured their heart into his mm -hmm. lyrics. And he was a phenomenal singer, which I think is one of the original motivations. After he died, the day after he died, I was on a I flew from New York to L.A. to go to, you know, the things you have to do when somebody dies. Mm -hmm. And so to L.A. And luckily, I know when a lot of people pass away, it's hard to listen to their music. But I thankfully did not have that. Mm. And so I was on this plane. And of course, I was, you know, I was, that would be somber. Yeah. <laughs> sure. And, and emotional. But I listened, I listened to uh, his covers album, which is called, um, oh, Jesus, Returning Kind. And there's a song on there called There's a Reward. It's a cover that he did of a song by Joe Higgs, who's a Jamaican artist that we loved. Not a huge Bob Marley or anything like that, but a really respected, great Jamaican artist. And he'd written a song called There's a Reward. And I had that on my headphones and I was just listening to it. And it was just tearing me up hearing it. Um, I must have listened to it four or five times in a row. It was just like Neil was singing in my head. Mm. That's when I was like, we've got to get these songs heard. We've got to get him heard. He was so great. And he was such a fantastic singer, which, you know, you would hear, like you'd hear him sing harmonies with Brian or CRB. Or occasionally you got to hear him sing, you know, Ship of Fools or something great with Phil. Right. And people would be like, gosh, Neil's a great singer. Well, I've, you know, known that so long, like I would hear him sing. And it was just like, he was a fantastic singer. Emotional, emotional, beautiful singer. And so that was just a lot of the motivation was like, I, I need people to, to hear how great he was. Um, he wasn't just um, a sideman playing awesome guitar for somebody. He was really a incredible songwriter on his own and um, just he gave his life to music. That's the way I would say it. Like he loved being in a band. He but I know there was still that thing in him where I want to sing my songs too. Um, so he, uh, I just, my mission was to, to forward his work so that people would hear it and discover it. And whether that's from hearing Bob Weir do a version of one of his songs or just going, wow, I never realized this guy had so many solo albums. Let me spin through them. However it happens is great. I just was my mission for people to hear him. What a wonderful friend you are. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks for doing awesome that for the world, friend. really. Because you, by doing that, you've given other generations and other people opportunities, like fans of those other artists, an opportunity to really listen to this like Aaron yeah. said, like really touching and emotionally charged music, you know? And so you were this, the final hand in helping that go out. And that's beautiful as a friend. And as, like you said, as a music fan to put something so rich out there. So thank, honestly, thank you for doing that for everybody. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, I, I couldn't imagine not doing it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it yeah. seems like that when you talk about it. <laughs> now, yeah. I, I'm curious about something. You said that, you know, that, that was, did everybody pick the song they wanted to do or just some of them? Uh, it, that's why I, I think it'd be fun for me, Dave and Jim to tell a story about each song because 
um, some of them were ones where I was like, oh man, this would be a great one for you to do. Um, some were Dave sending um, five songs to somebody and they would pick one out. Susan Jadeski and Derek Trucks, Jim Scott has made three or four albums with them as their producer. And we'd been talking about it all, all along while we were recording other, all these other songs. They were one of the last ones to record. And Jim was like, I think, I think it was Jim Scott's wife, Carol Scott, who said to Jim, maybe they should do Day in the Sun, which is the first song on Neil's first album. And Jim sent them, I was like, don't send them the recorded version of the song because that's a big production. I said, I have an acoustic demo of Neil doing that song from 1994. So let's send them that acoustic demo. And that's what we sent them. And they loved it. And that's that's oh, the song they wow. record. You wow. you need to do the podcast. Yeah, you, you do. You really do. Yeah, to accompany that. And my, my other question is to what's your song? What, what would be my yeah, favorite song? Yes. Um hard hard to choose, but um hey. probably <laughs> the song that I've listened to most of Neil over the last thirty years would be maybe California, mm. which is the second on his first album. And it's just, uh, I love that song from the moment uh, he sat down on a chair across from me. I was like, oh, do you think this is any good? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> That's great. And, and to this date, when I hear the recording of it, it's just, it's just immediate. It's just like, it's one drum hit and then his voice is in. So there's no waiting. It's like, boom, mm. here's Neil. And, uh, and it's just great. And I think that's a, that's a real song about his childhood. Um, after his parents got divorced, he and his mom traveled around the country to a lot of different places that he references in the song. And uh, it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. And that, that would be my favorite. But, you know, so many others right. that I oh, can yeah. talk yeah. about. And I think, you know, if, if you're wanting to dig into Neil's solo catalog, the album Basement Dreams is really, that's a beautiful, um, that's a beautiful version of Neil, maybe the most personal version of Neil. A lot of that he made at home. Uh, he had just, he'd gotten a tape recorder, uh, eight track, one inch tape recorder. And he'd really learned, he was really a good end recording engineer because he had great ears and he was, you know, he just learned enough to do it. And he would make these home recordings that were so good. And then he would bring in various people to play other parts on it. And there's a couple, you know, little outtakes or things on there, but that's a great record from beginning to end. And when it came out, um, one of the, one of the most exciting things that happened in his solo career was that Mojo magazine named that album Americana album of the year and gave it a big, huge review and five stars and, and that, like, I think that was really validating for Neil after you know, three or four years of putting out albums that he was struggling to get recognized. And Mojo Magazine was our favorite music magazine. Aww. And uh, so they, had, they just, that was a really great moment for him. So uh, where did the idea for a companion book come from? 
Well, he just taken so many incredible photographs and luckily he kept everything very organized. So at his house, there's a filing cabinet full of files. Ryan Adams and the Cardinals, 1990, you know, or 2006, whatever it is. Um, he, he kept it so organized and it was originally when he had started taking photographs, of course it was slides and film. And then later in the, you know, 2009, 10 area, he's got a digital camera and he kept everything very well organized, luckily. And he said, you know, Neil left a very long letter, 23 page letter when he died. And he talked about, uh, there's all these photos. And if somebody wanted to tackle putting out a book, that would be great. But if not, that's cool too. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. And so um, he'd mentioned a few of his close photographer friends. And I just thought to myself, well, Jay Blakesburg is the man for this job because Jay is a go-getter and he's organized and he's self-published many photo books as well. And so immediately when Jay is just like, well, send me everything. I'm going to archive it. I'm going to get it all organized and Aww. get it up here. And he was just phenomenal. And his daughter, Ricky, um, really took the ball and ran with it as the editor. She went through mountains and mountains of thousands of photographs and narrowed them down to what could be in the photography book. And the two of them, which I also think I, I love that, that it was a father-daughter project to get that book done. Yeah. And I think Neil would love it. And we have certainly enough photographs for volume two, volume three. And <laughs> wow. He left a lot of fantastic photos. And it's, it's a great side of his, if you're a fan of Neil or just discovering Neil, get the photography book because it's an insight to his eye, mm. to what off from all these years over the, across the road and being on tour and seeing different countries and places because he would, the bus would pull into town. Uh, some guys like to go to a gym and work out. Some guys like to go shopping. Some people like to just uh, hang out and wait for a sound check. Neil would grab his camera and walk around the town. Uh, so he got so many incredible pictures from everywhere. Wow. And he had a really interesting eye as a photographer, kind of fly on the wall type of photography. Um, he might see somebody over in the corner, like restringing their guitar and just out of the, without them even knowing he would take a beautiful picture. And he did that in subways. Somebody's over there holding their little puppy. Neil gets a beautiful photo. Um, he just had a great eye and loved photography. And I think it was a real, um, I don't know, what is the word? Just a companion thing to his music. And surfing as well would be the third element of who Neil really was. Photography, surfing, and music. And those were the things that were most important to him. And that's where he felt best. And so be able to do the photography book was was great and we will do another one as well and we have an incredible archive of unheard neil music demos live things all kinds of things so eventually we'll start putting that out little by little and um, yeah so it's we're gonna hopefully keep this going as as long as people want to hear it we'll do it that's cool man right and, on. and we're 
almost at the finish line. Like it, it's a, well, today's October 9th. It comes out November. Comes out on November 12th. Okay. Um, and uh, I just can't wait for people to hear it. It's uh, three hours and 17 minutes long. So it's, it's hard to, it's hard to grasp the, just the enormity of it. Uh, 41 songs from a guy that most people have never heard of. What was special about this guy? Well, you can hear it in the songs. The songs were special. And his friendships with these artists, uh, there's so much love in it. And that's the beautiful, beautiful yeah. thing. And it's, it reminds me of why I love music. You know, it was never about um, how many likes we had on a picture or a post or like, it was just about you're you're driving around in the car with your friends listening to a record that makes you happy makes you psyched makes you sad makes you feel something and that's i think that's in here i think there's a huge spirit of neil in this in this music and that's what we loved we used to when we first became friends we would make mixtapes and get in the car and just drive around our favorite places in northwest new jersey and have this beautiful background while we were listening to our favorite records and dream about him making his own records and what it could be this life that we imagined, um, you know, working on music together, me, me helping him and him writing and recording and playing beautiful songs. And, and it all came true. And yeah, Neil never became a superstar as a solo artist, but what a beautiful career. He had tons of solo albums, thousands of shows, um, touched so many people, was friends to so many people and was also uh, so nice to people who came to the shows. Mm -hmm. Neil would always, you'll hear so many stories about after the show, the only one who was out front was Neil and he was talking to everybody and taking pictures and giving people pics. He loved that. He loved meeting people and he would stay in contact with people. It's really astounding. yeah, I've, so many people reach out. I met Neil at a gig in Ann Arbor in 1990, and oh. we stayed through all these years. He used to send me postcards, and then we became friends on Facebook or whatever. I've known him all this time, and he was—that's the way he was. He—he—he he, he left uh, so many um, little marks on people and uh, sweet things, nice things. Did Neil? Uh, really haven't really come across anybody who was like oh man that guy was yeah (laughs) Yeah, um i wonder if neil ever pushed you to do your own solo stuff did you ever want to get into music more than just you know helping others uh well i did record an album um it's called more barn (laughs) i did record an album in 2010 and neil's all over that record playing guitar and in his uh, in his letter that he left, he, he says, you know, one of the greatest nights of my life was at the studio, at Jim's studio, playing guitar on Gary's songs, playing playing guitar on my best friend's songs at my favorite place. And that was the purest, most beautiful night. Mm. And of course, that's amazing. And uh, and yeah, he 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 did play on uh, this record I made. He's he's on quite a bit of it, and so that was that was nice. I mean, I was never pursuing. Hey, I'm going to be a solo artist, but I did write some songs, and Neil was encouraging, and also Jeff Hill was really encouraging to me. And Jeff and Neil and I were 
great friends and Jeff really produced the record that I made. And then we meet up with Jim Scott and Neil and put some guitars on it. It was so much fun. Mm. Really, really fun. <laughs> I luckily I've, get to have, did I, get to have that a little bit and, and be sitting there on the chair while Neil is right there going, dude, listen to that song. And he was so psyched and we were having so much fun. So, and really like one of the, one of the best nights we ever had was, was the night that, it was the last day of recording on his first album, Fade Away Diamond Time. And we'd made it at a big old mansion in Santa Ynez, California. It was a giant Spanish style mansion that would have been owned by Dean Martin, of all people. Okay. And it was down the street from Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch, a spectacular place that somehow we bumbled into recording his first album there and setting up our own recording studio. So we lived there for about a month. And the last night of recording before we had to move out, we had just this playback party and we had some of our friends come up and we were listening to that first album and just every song came on and we were just like, wow, we couldn't believe it. We were so, it was, it was just so great. And um, that's what music can do to you. You know, I can remember like that experience and that's, you know, I can always think of Neil that way and, just a huge smile on his face and how proud he was of that record he made. Oh. Wow. Wow. I, I, I was going to ask you, I was watching your, th- uh, I, I, you say you have a ridiculous amount of instruments. I'm just wondering what well, you talked about uh, during COVID that you did like 60 Instagram posts of going through your instruments and talking about YouTube. them or, or oh, no, on Instagram too. Yeah. the YouTubes, the, the other thing he does, he does a lot of things. <laughs> But I'm just wondering because you, you you say it almost like people with collections almost like with like an embarrassment of kind of like I have a lot of guitars. I'm I'm just <laughs> curious, and I was watching you play that Diamond Head one too. That is a beautiful sound. Yeah, I love that guitar. Um, it was just one of these things where like you know I was playing guitar since I was a teenager, but then when I got into working at record labels and helping other people, I just didn't play all that much for a long time. You know, yeah, I would pick up a guitar and noodle a little bit. But I don't know, roughly 2007, 2008, I just got obsessed again with guitar. And that led to other instruments. And I just started going to stores and I would I was really attracted to weird instruments. Here's an eight string ukulele called a tarot patch ukulele, or here's a banjo mandolin or here's, and I was just like, ah, what can I do with that? And I would just have this, this moment of inspiration where like, ah, if I get that, I, I know what to do with that. And so I just had this burst of like creativity, I guess, uh, for a few years there. And I just got obsessed with instruments and, banjos particularly i really really love banjo i'm infected neil with that a little bit um because it would just i'd be like dude you gotta learn how to play banjo it's so like it's gonna start playing up and he, i think he finally like eastman guitars gave him one of their banjos and he put it on a few crb albums because he he just maybe got sick of hearing me rant about it <laughs> but i would always be sending him like dude i'm gonna buy this 15 string banjola <laughs> what are you gonna do with that and then i would figure out how to play a little piece on it and i'd send it to him and he'd be like dude that's amazing and so on on barefoot in the head the crb album i i loaned him i don't know eight or nine weird instruments and you can hear some of them on that album um 
but yeah, it was just a thing. I just got obsessed with it. And then, yeah, I got locked in my house like everybody else in pandemic. And I was like, I'm going to post a little video of every instrument I have. <laughs> and then, that, and then, yeah, that led to like, oh, it'd be really fun to keep this going somehow. I'm out of instruments. Let's talk to other people about their favorite instruments. So it was, it's a little YouTube show called Let's Hear It. And it's more about um, your love of your instrument more than it is. Yeah, these pickups are hand wired. Like it's not a lot of gear nerd talk. It's more inspiration talk. Where did you get that instrument? Oh, it was my grandfather's. And I'd always looked at it in the closet. And finally, I fixed it up. All right, well, let's hear what it sounds like. So it's more of a fun, like that kind of thing, love of an instrument. Um, and uh, yeah, I think there's, uh, I don't know how many episodes there are, 60 or so, but it's been on hiatus for the last few months because I'm moving houses and working on this highway butterfly project. And I, you know, I have to have to sleep too. And <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm on hold, but it is coming back. Good, right good. On. That, yeah. Gary, I just have to say like, First of all, thank you for doing what you've done and also for sharing your time with us. It's, uh, it's, I, you could see the love that you had and have for, yeah. for Neil and, and for the music and, uh, you can feel it, man. And it's, yeah. uh, it's really cool. And I just appreciate it and appreciate your time. It's a beautiful friendship. Yeah. It's really, it's, it's inspiring. Um, I'm sure yeah. when he was alive, it was great to see you together. But even now, you're it's still together. You're still doing certain things together. And that's a really beautiful tribute. And it's very, like, touching, you know. It's touching to see that. And just looking at your face when you bring up certain things, it's there is a love there. and it And it shows. And thank you for doing that for being a steward of that music and getting it out properly and to the beautiful hands of Dave schools and Jim Scott and, you know, every other artist that was in there. It's, um, it's your life's work too. And it's yeah. beautiful. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. I, 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 uh, I've told people, you know, people have really, um, who have gone through a lot, like dealing with his passing, and I've been like pretty much right from day one, like I've known what my mission is and and I'm I'm sure I'm as crushed as anybody, but I feel like I've had the the, the great privilege of still working with him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. when I imagine this stuff, I hear his voice in my head. And there have been things where I could hear, oh man, I don't know about that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Place. I can hear his voice. So I try to honor what I think he would think is cool. And uh, just do it. And, and it's easier working with him when you don't have to hear his opinion either. Uh, <laughs> That's only right. when you want. <laughs> you know, man, I, I think we're, we'd all be lucky to have a friend like you. Yes, for sure. Yeah, you make me, do you, listening to you talk makes me appreciate my friendship with mm -hmm. like these two and everything. It, it means a lot. Yeah, it's really the most important thing. Like you know, if you can have friends that you you love and work on things together and have fun together, like those are the those are the things that really mean the most. Nothing uh, better. No, there's I mean, what that is the stuff that makes life worth living. And yeah, it's beautiful yeah. and wonderful. So, where can people get this on November twelfth? Is that what you said? Yeah. 
Yeah, if you go to uh, if you go to neilcasal dot or it will forward to neilcasalmusicfoundation.org, okay. which is the foundation founded in Neil's name. But on that website is uh, all the information about this tribute album. Uh, it will, will, of course, be available. You can pre-order the CD box set, which is three CDs. You can pre-order a vinyl box set, which is five vinyl LPs, uh, which has been a uh, quite a task to get to the finish line. And, of course, digital as well. There are some songs that are already out there. Um, if you take a look, there's Billy Strings, Circles Around the Sun, song called All the Luck in the World. Yeah, if you go to Neil Casal's YouTube videos for some of the songs we've already released from this tribute album and we're going to keep making videos there's quite a few videos lined up that we're going to be making for songs from the album and we're just hoping to keep you know trying to get the word out about it for the next year or so because it's a 41 song three hour and 17 minute project a lot to a lot of songs that we could you know a year from now say okay this is the new single um, yeah. so one's on there. And so, so yeah, if you, if you look it up, you'll find it. And, um, and the Neil Casal music foundation is a foundation that we formed to help other musicians. So one of the things that Neil mentioned in his letter is that he wants other musicians to understand how difficult the lifestyle can be. Neil was never addicted to drugs or alcohol, but they're, there are things that people go through behaviors that can be just as addictive. And so what we've been able to do is raise some money to support organizations that have the ability to help people. So music cares, it's the Grammy, Grammy foundations, musician health wing, and they've an incredible, incredible organization. They've raised 60, $70 million oh. and help out musicians. So, for example, I work with an artist named Citizen Cope. Mm -hmm. His bass player had a minor a few years back, no health insurance. And Music Care stepped right in. Like, we reached out to them. They stepped right in. We're paying his bills for the next three months. We're getting him medical care. Um, Amazing. And not just health. They have all kinds of mental health initiatives where they can help people who are struggling music being a musician is a difficult difficult life you see the glory you see the like in the spotlight but there's a lot behind the scenes that you give up to be a musician it's hard to keep a family together it's hard to live a quote normal life when you're on tour all the time so Backline is another organization that yeah. formed after Neil and Jeff, Jeff Austin both committed suicide in 2019. Backline helps musicians with mental health care, see a therapist, somebody to talk to, and not just musicians, roadies, oh. guitar techs, oh, bus wow. drivers. Tri- so yeah. to keep this whole thing happening, people being on the road, there's so many people in support situations. Uh, guitar checks to the guys who set up the drums people who do sound uh girls selling merch you know all of those people are are giving their their lives to this lifestyle to keep this thing that we all love going to concerts 
they're all doing this behind the scenes. And when the show ends and you or I go home, they're crawling into a bunk or getting on a, getting in a van seat and driving six hours, eight hours and doing it again tomorrow. And it's exhausting. And so for us, for the Neil Foundation to raise money to help those organizations. So maybe eventually we'll have our own staff where we have a doctor on staff or however, but we've also been able to donate directly to some musician friends of Neil who are going through health healthcare crises over the last year. So I'm luckily enough, lucky enough to be able to say, hey, I'm gonna pay your bills for two months while you don't have to worry about paying your bills, get your this illness you're having, get this sorted out. Yeah. So we've been able to, we're also giving away uh, some musician, uh, some instruments to young musicians who may not be able to get their hands on them. So in North Jersey, where Neil grew up, we've gone into some high schools and donated instruments uh, to the band program, to some individual kids who want to play guitar, but mom and dad don't have, you know, $600 for a decent guitar and uh, $50 a week for lessons. So that's what we're also trying to do in, in Neil's honor. And uh, the, um, I think he would be really moved by the fact that we've been able to help some of his friends with health healthcare expenses. Yeah. And we hope to continue doing that and help many people as we can, um, raising awareness about how difficult it is to be a musician. And I think over the last five, 10 years, that is coming into view mm -hmm. for uh, we've all seen you know or what happened with uh, naomi osaka the tennis player mm -hmm. mental health is a is a serious thing and and to perform you have to be you know as much in the right space as you can whether it's sports or uh, craftsmanship or or music and so mental health drawing attention to crises and how you don't have to be embarrassed to ask for help. Neil, Neil had a hard time asking for help. Um, a lot of people did, did try to help him. A lot of um, doctors as well. And uh, it just, uh, at the point that he committed suicide, I think he just decided I'm beyond helping. He decided that this was it, um, but he wants other people to know that take care of yourself and do the right things and make your life right and, and take care of yourself so that you can have a creative career and that you don't, don't go down the road where um, it takes you out. I hate to say it that way, but no, that's, that's, um, that's it. Yeah. What yeah, a I legacy. Mean, it, wow. Life to music. Yeah. yeah. It's uh really, really beautiful. Very. And uh, it's uh, what is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts. Deeply personal too. So just thanks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you guys. I love the podcast you do. You're, you're carrying it along and it's, it's the <laughs> stories that 
you put out there as well are just it's, it's all important you know for us music lovers yeah yes. you know? yeah yes hopefully someday soon it's uh we can meet in person and give a hug and a high five yeah. and have- Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year, and to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org slash 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.